That was Native in the Name with an extract from their hit song, Billy Bix Pit, which you can get on iTunes, Spotify, Audio and very many other musical audio treats. This is the Right For Your Life podcast. I'd like to say hello to my co-host, Donna Sorensen. Hello. Was that really called Billy's Big Pits? No, but very close. <laughs> it's called Billy Bix Pit. And it's... Ooh, ooh, ooh. That is just, you did very well to get through that then. <laughs> I've been asked about it a few times. And um, uh, when we first started using the song for the theme tune, um, I was telling people about it. But um, it's been a long time since I've done that, so I thought I would mention it. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, the band Native in the Name. And it's one of many fantastic songs on their two um, albums they've released so far. And they're all available in the usual places. And uh, Joe, the lead singer, songwriter chap, is a pal of mine. Nice. Indeed. So let's talk writing. All right, then, let's do it. So we have a couple of subjects to talk about today, but we're going to start with you telling us, and me specifically, about how your uh, book launch went in Copenhagen just yesterday, and our first topic shall spring forth from that discussion. <laughs> yeah, that, okay, cool. So I had a little book launch yesterday, and... Um, I wasn't really calling it a book launch, so I knew that it was just going to be a small, intimate affair and more of a kind of celebration than anything else. Being in Copenhagen, you know, where the vast majority of people read Danish books um, makes doing something big a challenge, obviously. But, um, yeah, apart from that, it was absolutely amazing. I had the best time, honestly. Just to be able to to have an event for your first ever book, that's that's just something that I'll treasure. It was an amazing bookshop, um, really cosy little one, international bookshop in Copenhagen. And um, it was just fantastic. I just love to have the chance to be able to, um, to get up there and, and, well, more than anything, give a little bit of an explanation of my poems and my poetry to people because it's all well and good having my book and, and reading it. But I know myself, when I've been to poetry readings and poets have just said a little bit about what they were thinking or, you know, what inspired them to write a poem, it's just made such a vast difference in the hearing of it. This isn't the, this isn't the topic that we're going to move on to, but that's an, I think that's quite an interesting point. I've had a similar experience when I've been reading from, from, from um, my book um, and 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 I've said something like, oh, this is, this is going to be about that. And because it's a novel, then you, it's quite typical to add a bit of context before you read from it. But um, um, I've always noticed that people have gone, oh, OK, oh, well, that's interesting. But, and, and almost been as interested in my explanation as, yeah. um, as, you know, as the reading itself, sort of. But isn't, isn't in a way, could, you, could I argue... Um, and I'm not talking about your poetry specifically, but if you need an explanation, does, does that not suggest that should should the, should does that mean that the poem isn't or the story isn't doing its job? Well, that's 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 the big question, isn't it? Really, and I think it's the hardest thing with poetry is to know how much to say, because I mean, not everybody is sitting down writing. The field was full of flowers, and it was really pretty great, I know that you were sitting there looking at a field of flowers and you thought they were really pretty. You know, somebody might be saying something like, you know, and then the purple caterpillar shot all over the field and, you know, balloons were in my eyes and stuff like that. But but then do you actually need to say, well, what actually was happening was that, you know, I was having a really bad day and um, I was very tired and blah, 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 and this is why that I wrote that poem. I mean, poems express so many different things and a lot of them are, 
you know, about something concrete that's happened, but many things are like fantastical and, and people's imagination and they just want you to go off uh, and imagine things for yourself a bit, you know? So it is a very, very difficult balance. And I actually, it's one thing that I really thought about when I was putting together this collection, uh, wondering whether I should do like a little glossary because I have a poetry book here by a poet called Celia Dufresne. Yeah? She's an Irish poet and it's a really, really great book. And at the back, she's actually got um, a short explanation if poems relate to something specific. So like a, a text somewhere or um, a visit somewhere, something like that, you know. And I really enjoyed looking at that and I found it really, really useful for helping me to interpret her book. Mm, that's quite, it's an interesting idea that I quite like. I quite like that idea. Yeah, and I it was something that I really considered. But then, you know, I mean, some of my poems are so random. I mean, was I really going to say, you know, this poem was inspired by a wedding I went to in Italy where there was a woman with a life-size puppet child in a pushchair at the back? You is know, that, is that true? There are some things which, you know, you, 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 I don't know, it's a bit difficult to explain to people, but it doesn't matter. I mean, I took that as a starting point and went off on one with it, you know? So that's, that's an actual poem? Yeah, it is an actual poem that called actually, The Puppet Son. Puppet Son. About a woman that goes around to people's weddings with her wooden baby. Sounds terrifying. <laughs> well, it was a weird thing to see, you know. I was I was floored by it. And there's lots of other things in the poem because I was overlooking the Bay of Naples and I knew that it was very idyllic. But then at the time, the mafia had some kind of issue with they were holding up rubbish collection and the rubbish had not been collected in Naples for months and months and months. So I just imagined the whole of Naples seeping into the, the Bay of Naples, you know, all this filth coming out. And, and, you know, I mean, it's all sorts of different things. You're not going to necessarily, I mean, you want to convey some of that in a poem, but you, it's very, very difficult to get that balance. It is. So tell us what, the, what someone said to you afterwards, which is going which is what uh, going to spark our discussion. Um, well, about how it changed poetry for them, because I mean, I think that the person that said this to me afterwards was is a great friend, um, and that's why they were there, not because they've ever read poetry. I'm, I can tell they're one of those people who have been very put off by poetry in the past classic thing about you don't feel like you can read poetry or poetry is something for a certain type of person and almost like you have to be educated in poetry not just to to write it but to read it and I really have felt that from so many people when I've said about poetry and I mean you know it's it's just such a shame but they said to me afterwards that it's just completely changed it for them to be able to have a poet say a couple of words about what a poem started from that they feel like they've got more confidence to just go and read the, the rest of the book you know and, and make their own minds up and so did, did they give a reason for why they um why they i guess hadn't read poetry before and wasn't 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 part of the idea that um uh, part of what they'd said was they found it difficult to, to to read poetry and therefore having you present your poems and add some context and some explanation actually made them and increase their enjoyment of the of the of the poetry. Absolutely, yeah. I don't know how many poetry books they would go out and buy afterwards, but I certainly know with my book, it's it's meant that they want to actually read the whole book, you know, or not in one go necessarily. But I just I don't know. It's it's just so sad, isn't it? There's so many people that are just really put off by poetry. But why do you think that is? Let's explore this. Why do you think that people find it difficult to read poetry? I do. I think it's exactly what I said there. 
Like, I mean, I've had friends that have, have picked up my book and have said to me, yeah, but the thing I don't get about poetry is like, how do you know to stop there with that line? And why can that line just be a different length to that? And, and how do you know it's finished? It's almost this idea that like poetry has to be in a certain form and, you know, it has to, to fit rigid um, formal structures and, you know, all that kind of traditional poetry, I think, you know, has probably influenced them. That's what they feel poetry has to be like. So, so the idea that because the, there isn't any instructions for reading poetry, there, is, uh, there isn't any kind of typical way of doing it, um, whereas a novel, I mean, even maybe in the order that you read them, perhaps, if it's a collection of poetry, there is, there is no reason, I suppose... I'm sure that the um, I'm sure that you and every other poet goes to great lengths to decide which order they go in. But theoretically, you can perhaps go in and and um, and and in and out, as they, as they say. But with the novel, you have to you, you start reading, and then you progress through it, and you get to the end. But is there a, is there a, is there a lack of cohesive, sort of defined reading experience that puts people off? And often, often single poems, you know, each one is a standalone thing, whereas a novel is a is a connected text, whereas poems are coming in their own sort of bite-sized chunks which for me has always seems like um, a reason for poetry to be more read and more popular but perhaps do you think that might be one of the things that contributes to it not being quite the case definitely and I was actually trying to think about when I bought my first poetry book to read and I reckon it's actually quite late and I think it's just that novels are, are what people think you know, well, that's 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 writing, and that's what you read. You know, it's a, you go from the start to the finish. You go back to it whenever you want, and that's really it's one story, and it's easy to read. Um, I mean, I love poetry, but I, I I'm not sure that I bought poetry books when I was younger, and I don't think I was put off poetry. I think it's just you, without actually researching a little bit about what a poet or what their poetry is like, it's quite difficult probably to find out about poetry because there's not much money to publicise it. You know, you have to be actually interested in poetry in the first place to hear about poets. And, and so before you're going to commit to buy a book, you need to know a little bit about whether, what the feel of the, poet, the poetry in it is. OK, so do you think that there is a sense of people thinking the harder something is to read or the more difficult they find it, um, it's because almost as if they're not worthy of it like it must be really good because it's so, <coughs> because it's so <laughs> see right yeah 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 i was trying to hold that in i was like oh i can't it's coming you, you did the worst job of holding something in that i think i've ever um <laughs> i know noted. i lasted two seconds Kept on. <laughs> do you think that there's a sense of people being um uh, almost feeling slightly uh, if something's the idea that if something's more difficult to read the better it must be and in some cases people go well you know that's not really it's a bit too brainy for me. I'm not necessarily talking about your particular collection now, though no, I'm no, sure I, it is particularly I, I, brainy, but you know what I mean? Something like Ulysses or, um, or or a particularly, you know, really difficult novel, War and Peace or something like that, that's really long, that people just go, oh, that's a bit too much for me. Yeah, I'm quite sure. I'm quite sure about that. And, you know, things like um, the Booker Prize and all that, that's, people have this idea that... that it's you know the harder the book the, the the better it is as well i think also with fiction don't you think that like prizes and stuff tend to go to people that are more well i'm i'm generalizing massively here but i think about people like for example john banville and his writing style yeah um i don't think everybody feels john banville's writing is accessible but he's someone who is constantly nominated for prizes 
It's true. And I've read a couple of contrasting examples recently. So I read, um, I think I might have even mentioned this on the podcast, I read Jim Crace's Harvest. Yeah. Which which, which isn't a particularly difficult read, and it's not sort of full of (laughs) long words, for example, but it's very lyrical and um and and you have to really get in the rhythm of it and it's it's quite i found it it was a good few chapters before i got quite used to the rhythm of it and 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 the poetry of it really it was, it was like a long poem in, in many ways um so i read that and i loved it um and then i followed that up by reading some some young adult fiction i'm pretty sure it's young adult uh which was a a, a newish novel by cj flood called infinite sky and um, without wanting to sort of go on too much of a tangent, young adult fiction it was you know, fairly easy to read, and that's not to be in, uh, that's not a, a disrespectful thing to say. I don't mean it in, in that way at all. But uh, you know, it was it's, it's accessible. I think mm. I think that Ace Angelica is supposed to be accessible. I don't use long words either. Um, mm. I, have a, I have a seven character cap on words. Um, <laughs> but goodness me, the subject matter in the last. 50 pages was genuinely, and I'm not just saying this, it was some of the most harrowing stuff I've ever read. It was unbelievably difficult to read. And we are going to go on to talk about spoilers, so I am tempted to tell you what it was. But basically, the novel goes, oh, this is, you know, this is a nice story, nice story, interesting, nice characters, quite nice. What? That's not, surely that's not going to happen. It happens! Oh, my, what? And it's just uh, (laughs) absolutely smacks you over the head. And it's difficult to read for, for, for a different reason, I suppose. But uh, but but the, but the language and the, the difficulty of the actual of the actual text itself wasn't you know it's really it's really accessible it's young adult fiction a really accessible read really really good you know really good book good story I can recommend it but the actual subject matter became really difficult to read at the end which was a, 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 a entirely different kind of barrier I suppose. Were you surprised about the subject matter based on the fact that it's a young adult novel? Did you think it would be lighter stuff? Not especially because I, I I don't read young adult fiction generally generally at all. Um, to be honest, I've read uh, it. Just so happens I've read um, Fault in Our Stars by John Green, which everyone under the age of seventeen, I think, and many 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 people above seventeen has read. And you know that's extremely sad and difficult to read as well. It's about um, um, someone uh, sort of basically teenagers battling cancer, and mm-hmm. so really really tough. But it, it, I, I I think the the infinite sky it was the fact that it was it, it was sort of quite a long way into the book before the, the sort of the major event happened and you just I, you know you're kind of expecting it but i just didn't expect it to be quite so brutal it was mm-hmm. brutal that's the right word and 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 brutal in 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 the most in in the best possible way oh that's great then so you enjoyed it i did enjoy it, yeah i thought it was i, I really enjoyed it I thought it was good. Not the sort of thing I typically read, but uh, um, I did enjoy it. I've tried... 2000, we have gone way off topic here, but 2013 has been the year of me trying to w- read a wide variety of things, including Game of Thrones, which we're going to talk about later because of spoilers. Well, I just... I can't believe that you said you've not really read young adult fiction. Well, I did when I was a young adult. Well, I, I mean, are you sure you haven't read young adult fiction? Why? Why do you ask with such... Such, oh, such, I'm such, just trying to think I, about what I've read. Well, go on. Well, no, I mean, I'm I'm not ashamed to admit that I've read um, the old What's It, you know. The old the old What's It. <laughs> Who read that? That old What's It. What? Oh my God! I've got total <laughs> total brain block on it now, <laughs> as if like 
my internal voice is saying, don't say it out loud that you've read it. And I'm not talking about Twilight. No. See, I count The Hobbit as a children's book. I would definitely say that The Lord of the Rings could count as a young adult book. Okay. You've read Lord of the Rings, I take it? No. You haven't? No. Well, there's a shocker. Um, I was thinking about the old uh, Hunger Games. <laughs> finally uh, got okay. Them. Have you not read those? No, no, I've been doing my best to maintain my dignity. <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey? Um, no. That's adult, isn't it? I think so. I think it is, <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, I haven't read much young adult uh, literature either, but... Um, but yeah, I think it definitely seems to be getting more and more adult rather than young adult, doesn't it? That's what that's, that's what's happening to everything in life. We're getting older, younger. Do you not? Oh, what did you say you'd cut out then? I said I blame Miley Cyrus. Oh, <laughs> don't blame her. She seems confused. <laughs> anyway, let's not talk about her. My goodness, no. blimey! Um, spoilers. Are we going to be able to talk about spoilers without spoiling anything? Well, I managed to talk about Infinite Sky without spoiling it, because I was thinking I was going to have to, to to explain myself. I was going to have to reveal what actually happens, and I managed to not do that unless I lose control and tell everyone now. But I, I think there are two types of spoiler. Um, there is the known spoiler, where perhaps you've seen the film or you've watched the TV series and then you want to read the book anyway because you you love the show so much or you love the film so much that you just think well who cares I'm going to read the book anyway yeah and then there's a surprise spoiler where you know your mum tells you by accident or you look it up on you're on Twitter and you see that everyone's talking about it or um, or um, someone's just playing crawl and rings you up and lets you know what's just happened um, does that happen so much with books good Do question I don't think it happens so much with books well, of course, there was the video. If we just touch on Game of Thrones slightly, oh. of course, there was the the uh, when the Red Wedding episode, which is a very mm. well known episode now for anyone who's watched it. Of course, there was the footage on YouTube of all the people reacting to the big event at the end of that particular episode, and the footage was filmed by people who'd read the book and kept the spoiler about that particular episode or that particular event in the book secret for like for three entire seasons so three years just so that they could film their friends watching it who hadn't read the book yeah it's great so perhaps there is a different mentality with books there's certainly i think people cherish books more perhaps than they do films or 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 maybe even tv shows as well and therefore they feel like they owe it to the book almost perhaps yeah, I think you tend. I tend to be quite careful when I'm talking about books. But my my dad did a potential spoiler when I was back back when I was reading Wolf Hall, um, and he was saying to me, "It's ridiculous. This is this is stuff that happened in history. You know that this stuff happened." And I was like, "No, I don't know that specific thing that happened to that specific person." And I just said, "Just so you know, this is like about the general Tudor period. So please don't say anything to me about the Tudor period for the next like however many months until I give you the okay." <laughs> but I mean, you know, she's got another one coming out as well, so it's gonna. He's not not gonna be able to talk about anything for a long time. <laughs> it's called roll out the barrel, I think. <laughs> what? I don't know. Bring up the bodies, roll out the barrel. It's got the similar amount of syllables. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. So yeah, historical books and stuff like that. 
Yes, I guess so. I hadn't really thought about that. But of course, Game of Thrones, I don't, I don't think it's based on, um, on facts, things that actually happened. But I'm no, fine. He did actually, uh, the Red Wedding was based on something. He read a real event that happened in medieval times. Oh, that's true. I did read that, after, actually. Good point. Yeah. But I'm finding it hard to read. So I basically, I've decided to, um, to, to read it. I've, 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 en- I've enjoyed the series. I'm, you know... I can tolerate a little bit of misogyny every now and again, and sort of, uh, sort of unnecessary nudity and um, and filth, um, because you know, it's 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 kind of entertaining. Um, <laughs> not those things; they're they're deplorable and horrible. But um, Game of Thrones is this. I find this sort of weird contradiction of a program. Anyway, I uh, I digress rather weirdly. Um, I'm struggling yeah. to read it. <laughs> I, was struggling- was, uh, I mean, you know, you've underplayed it there. I mean, I. I'll just add quickly that it is, I think, my favourite TV programme of all time. Well, and you like misogyny too? I do, I love a bit of that. <laughs> Should we have this conversation? I mean, do, do you not struggle with it sometimes? With Game of Thrones? For that reason? Um, no, because I, I love the fact that I'm appalled by those things because they're things that would have happened... Because even though it's fantasy, there are many things that would have actually happened in medieval times, particularly treatment of women and I, I'm just very glad about the fact that it is so shocking and outrageous because it shouldn't be happening now and people know that and it doesn't happen in where I come from um, and it makes me think you know highlights the fact that there are people still being treated like that around the world today I think it's I, I don't know well, I feel it's kind of important yeah but you're talking about it like it's a like it's a documentary or something it's like you you can't this it isn't a primary aim of the program to highlight the suffering of women in the medieval age well i don't, is it not well i would i would i would personally argue strongly that I, that it's not i think it's well, primarily character the 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 actual main character of it all i mean she that's kind of like a tale of somebody who's been abused who's overcome it not meaning to spoil it. But she, she, she's uh, are you talking? But she over she overcomes it with first of all with the help of dragons, which is slightly <laughs> which is cheating. But 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 also whilst getting a kit off every four or five episodes <laughs> without any without any without any without any um um what's the phrase without any sort of narrative necessity. It's it's not not in any way needed for the story. You don't think so. But the things she had to do, she had to do. Not not because she had to do them, but other people forced her to do them. So you would just have preferred that it wasn't shown on screen and it just happened off screen. I'm not entirely sure which bits we're talking about. But there are bits later on. In, in I mean, in the okay, so you might argue in the first couple of episodes, um, it's to, uh, to to highlight the fact that she would she had so little power, and the fact that and to yeah. it provide a greater contrast to the great power that she would later go on to get. But you know, and also it, people outraged. I mean, you know, this that is in order to get a reaction from people. I mean, people are outraged about you know things that happened at the start of those series. I think they really are. Same with the the obviously the red wedding and all that, but it makes people talk about it. And if it wasn't a primary aim, it's still one of the most talked about things with the whole ser- series. Is um, you know that kind of attitudes and behaviour from medieval times and how shocking they were. I guess my argument is, or my what I'm what I'm sort of suggesting is that maybe the amount of people that are talking about those particular scenes and the nudity and the sex that maybe ten percent of the talk or ten percent of people are talking about it. 
uh, and saying, gosh, wasn't that terrible? Thank goodness it's not like that now. I'm glad that issue has been raised. And the other 90% are going, hey. <laughs> well, quite. Anyway, that was a Game of Thrones tangent, if ever the was. It was, totally was. In terms of the spoiler, that, that's going to be interesting for you, though, because the books are very different from the films. But I don't think, apart from the Wolf Hall incident, that I've ever had a book spoilt for me. Um, and I've actually really enjoyed having seen a film before I've read a book, if I've gone on to read the book, so that I could compare it. Yeah, I haven't actually... It's, it's not very often that I've that I've kind of experienced both mediums, I don't think. Life of Pi springs to mind recently, that I'd read the book years ago and then I watched the film. But I, I'm surprised you say that Game of Thrones isn't... Um, there are differences. Maybe I've just not read enough, but I found it... Part of the reason I'm struggling to read it is because I know what happens and I've got this... This, this preconception of what these people look like and mm. and but also the fact that it's so very similar to what I'm finding it's so very similar to the to the TV show mm, I, well I've, I've heard that it, there's there are a lot of differences maybe later on did mm. you never read The English Patient? no nope. oh, that was that was really interesting I mean that was a book that was so different from the film I felt mm. Fantastic Mr Fox is a, I thought was a, I, I really liked Wes Anderson's yeah. adaptation of that there are some great film adaptations of books. I mean, that's a whole other subject, isn't it? But, yeah. Um, yeah. So part of the, and again, part of the reason I thought we might cover this topic is because, I don't know if you saw in the news, that there's a new Bridget Jones book coming out, Helen Fielding's Bridget Jones series. There's a new one, I believe it's out this week, in fact. And um, in, in the pre-hype pre, uh, build-up to it coming out, it was leaked or... or um, I don't know how it got into the news, but basically before the book... Oh, no. Hang on. Are you going to spoil this for people? <laughs> well, it's, all, it's all over the news, so oh, maybe. Maybe I am. <laughs> oh, you're just going to add to it. I haven't... Because it's a funny situation. I haven't seen that news, but then I'm thinking, well, am I going to read the third Bridget Jones book? Darcy dies. No. That's just really ruined my whole night. Darcy is, in fact, dead at the start, I believe. You are joking. I am not joking. And so there's I, outrage. There's outrage. People are outraged before they've even read a single word of the book. And who's why? Leaked that? Pardon? Who's leaked that? I don't know. I didn't read any of them because <laughs> <I don't, laughs> I'm not really that interested. But I thought it's interesting that such a. I, well, the thing that I found most interesting about it was that such a major. If you take the series of the, this hugely popular sort of character in these books as a whole. Um, the fact that such a such a major event would be leaked it's like it's like it would be like for instance the the events that I was talking about in Infinite Sky if everyone knew that that was going to happen it would be almost pointless reading the book I'm I'm going to say something extremely cynical again now as usual uh, are we sure that this is not just a, a publicity stunt if that happens at the start of the book that it's just you know to sell more more copies well I've got written down in my notes Donna Sorensen Bridget Jones marketing tool to sell the book <laughs> good i'm glad i wasn't the only one that thought that yeah because i mean that's going to get loads of people going oh my god i can't believe that's happened i'm gonna to have to buy it now because i completely forgotten about that series of books that came out years and years ago indeed but there's an element of, of of spoilerism which isn't a word but it should be there is uh there is there are spoilerisms all over the place when it, when in marketing oh, we, never. We, we're te- you know how what's the difference between a tease and a spoiler oh yeah um, and online now is, you know, if you're if you're online at all, then it's nearly impossible not to see what you don't want to see. 
<laughs> absolutely it's a, <laughs> it's it's a fine line is uh, is is what i'm thinking it's um you can you can tease i guess i guess the difference is with a spoiler you actually know what happens where if you tease something you're just saying well this might happen but it might be this but some of them come so close i mean if you watch some film trailers it's barely even worth you know you've kind of seen most of the film or or, or the best bits well, yeah, I know, but that's because Hollywood, a lot of Hollywood films are rubbish these days, aren't they? They have to show the best bits, otherwise no one would bother. Indeed. And another habit I have is uh, Googling things that I've just watched. Oh, yeah, I think that's a very common habit. In fact, we should ask if other people... I mean, is that just something that everybody does? Everybody must do that. Well, I, I, I don't. I, I, who knows? I suspect so, but it's often led to a. That's whenever I've ruined stuff for myself. <laughs> it's usually been when I've been googling something I've previously. It's usually something like Mad Men. So, I, I'll I'll Google an episode that I've just watched because I wanted to find out whether some specific detail was based on facts or whatever it might be, yeah. and then I've accidentally read too much. Totally, I've done the same thing, and I'm. I'm just, specifically for that reason i'm holding off googling um thomas cromwell <laughs> still i'm like i just i'm desperate to find out more but i'm just like no just leave it leave it leave it so yeah but um but it's a good and a bad thing isn't it to be able to get information on anything whenever you want it yes i mean so perhaps to finish off i thought we might just look at um can you hear that no. Can you not hear the coughing? We've got a poorly, poorly boy downstairs trying to sleep, but he's coughing himself silly. Um, uh, he's fine, by the way. I'm not just sort of up here talking to you when I should be down there. He's okay. He's going to be just fine. Um, um, yeah. Yeah, spoilers. <laughs> spoilers when talking about your own work. So I thought we'd just cover this very sort of briefly, because I just, after I wrote all these notes and I was thinking about these things, I was thinking about Game of Thrones and Bridget Jones, which rhymes, I was thinking... There are there are spoilers when you talk about your own work. So earlier on, you talked about reading your poetry, mm. and in a way, if you in your I guess in your case, if you're talking about the context around a poem, there is an element of um, of, of spoilerism about that. It's not the right way of saying ism. An ism is an ism is not. I'm not using that in the right way. I've invented a word, and then I'm not using it properly. Spoileration. Spoileration. That'll do. <laughs> So there's, there's an element of spoileration about providing context when you're reading a poem or a story or something from a novel. Of course, yeah. But also when you're giving it someone else to critique. So I've in the past, if I've given my 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 like a chapter in, I've gone well. Yeah, I've been working on this chapter for a while. It's about this, that, and the other, and I wasn't sure whether I should do this with him at the end or whether he should survive. And um, and before you know it, you've you've kind of you've provided extra context to something that perhaps, I don't know, does it spoil the enjoyment for someone in, in that sense before something's published, perhaps? Anyway, I think we've probably... I think we've probably covered enough for uh, this uh, episode of the podcast. Let's keep it yes. to, to our rough half an hour. Yeah. We, sh- we should probably say a congratulations. Yeah, to Alice Munro. Yep, congratulations to, to Alice, a regular listener. Yeah, <laughs> a new Nobel laureate. That's That's amazing. It is, and I've just noticed, um, I think you may even have tweeted it yourself, a link to this voicemail thing. She yeah, had yeah, and it's fantastic. Uh, I've seen Doris Lessing, how, how she reacted when she was told as well, which is hilarious. You guys, if, if, if you haven't seen it online, you should see it. But yeah, really nice uh, story that she actually, fa- well, she didn't find out through the voicemail. I think she found out through someone from the press ringing her later, but the voicemail message is there forever um, to tell her that she'd won. A voicemail from the Nobel organisation. 
Not a bad missed call. No, awesome. Um, people seem to be very, very delighted that she's won, and um, it's going to make me go off and, and read her immediately. Yes, I'm going to. Um, I read some Alice Munro a long time ago, but I re- it's, she's someone who I really should know far more um, about in terms of her work. So I, I'm going to use this opportunity to. Do you know what we should do? What we should we, do? we should each read an Alice Munro story before next week, and then talk about it briefly next week. Oh, this is homework. Yeah, let's do it. All right, deal. <laughs> cool. Where can people find you on the internet? They can find me on Twitter at the Flying Poet, or they can find me on Facebook uh, slash Donna Sorensen Poetry, or on my jazzy new website sorensenpoetry.com. And you can find me at Ian Broom on Twitter i a i n b r o o m e, or you can find me at my website. I don't live there all the time, um, <laughs> but uh, ianbroom.com. Um, and you can find previous episodes of the podcast ianbroom.com slash podcast and of course you can subscribe in iTunes or you can head over to the 70 decibels website and check us out there too Splendido I'll speak to you next week See ya, bye